and welcome to the first live edition of Pod by the Bay. It's been a while, fellas. I so I think it's the first live edition. We are Nathan Bondless this week. He's celebrating a family birthday at Disney World. I'm sure he's enjoying himself, but uh, we figured since we're, we're losing something by not having Nathan here, we'll, we'll give you guys something by being live. So we'll see what happens here. Gentlemen, USF is coming off a big victory over a potential playoff team from Tallahassee. It's a top 25 team. Can I, I just mean, give a, a big old hearty horns up to everybody in the chat? Everybody put your horns up. That's a victory for the first time in nearly a year, right, Steve? I think you had the right number of days. And, 164. Um, 364. Wow, okay. Really pretty much right on. I choose to, co- to consider that a positive. Yeah, winning is a uh, winning is a learned skill, so uh, it helps when you do it to do it more. So anytime you can win, that's a good thing. I think we've seen uh, more recently losing is not as fun. So take the wins as you can get them. And this is not. Uh, so I'll ask you guys, kind of, what, what did you? What were your impressions of the game? Um, you know, I think the line can, ended up coming out late in the week. And it was 18. A lot of the advanced numbers had it. I mean, SP Plus had FAMU as a favorite. And um, even Kelly Ford, who's another another kind of advanced stat guy, had USF as only a seven-point favorite. We were going to take all the Ponderosa money and put it on USF if it was a single digit. But it ended up being 18. And they, as, as weird as the game was at times, they just about covered. So, um, you know, what, Vito, I think you were there. What was your impression of the first game uh first home game in the alex golish era i was there um with my buddies josh cc is in the chat currently um it's always good to get back out with the with the good old friends to tailgate and uh, enjoy another season uh win or lose it's always a you know a victory at the tailgate as they always say um the we you know the first play of the game was a tackle for a loss and then FAMU proceeded to go down the field and score a touchdown and it seemed like is this going to be the old defensive woes, but then the defense proceeded to have five turnovers in the game. There's some eye popping stats where if you're watching the game, you probably had some sort of preconceived notions of what you expected the score to be and what it actually was, how close it seemed to be near the end there. But you have a defense that had five takeaways. When's the last time uh, a USF defense had five takeaways? You had a quarterback in Byron Brown have five total touchdowns and uh, hasn't been since 2020. So pre-Jeff Scott era. Um, that's not true. Never mind. Hasn't been since 2020, uh, Jeff Scott's first season. Um, I, you know what? I completely forgot about the whole Jordan McLeod just going <laughs> nuclear against UCF. like that. I was like, it's got to be Quentin Flowers, right? Nope. Steve was like 2020 UCF five touchdowns incredible um and that feels like 15 years ago at this yeah point. and that was yeah. the pandemic year and it was all remember the Jordan strange. McLeod era it's like yeah it was two years ago oh my gosh yeah. and now he's uh killing it for uh JMU um so th- the game you know what it's a victory I choose to think of it that way there were some missed opportunities but you know what uh, I will take that as growing pains in this offense the offensive line did have some injuries so that also has to play into it and FAMU's no slouch they are a team with a very very good quarterback who has preseason accolades a uh, very good coach in Willie Simmons uh, who was rumored as a potential candidate for the USF job so you don't know how much you know that was kind of in there in their back pocket and uh, they might be a team that doesn't lose another game the rest of the year 
uh, at least against their their conference opponents. So I, I choose to look at this. We can get more into the nitty gritty here, but um, my initial, initial reactions were uh, the 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 team look defense looked like it was flying. Offense was making plays at times. There's things that need to be cleaned up, but um, a victory is a victory. That's all I gotta say. Steve, I know you were really upset. You really wanted uh, you could, you were upset that they just barely won, right? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I was devastated. I was I was enthralled by everything. The the thing about the game was at, at no point did I feel like Florida A and M was going to get like after the first play. I was like, yeah, that like the team, like the way that USS defense was lining up, the way that the kickoff return happened, and the, the way that they like. The, the the aura around the team was like, there's no way that we're going to lose. Even they score on the first drive. Everyone knows, and, and Parker's posted that meme so many times, is everyone's first 10 plays are always scripted, and they're always really good. And the first 10 plays by the defense, usually you're trying to figure out what the offense is going to be doing. So throw the first rides out the window every single time. After that, when changes are going to happen, you can't make changes on the fly on the first drive like that unless you call timeout. So I, I at no point, even they took it to, I think, 24 to 17 or, or 24 to 31 or something like that. No doubt in my mind that USF was going to win the game. USF's game plan was a lot better than Florida A&M's game plan on offense. Um, there were times that uh, Musa had incredible plays and the Florida A&M receivers made incredible catches. And by the hair of, of, of a cat, just they got the ball out and put it in a tight window. And I have to give credit to Florida A&M for, for doing that. But like against maybe someone's a little bit less experienced, uh, you know, down the line, they might get a sack there, et cetera, or might get batted at the line or whatever. And then offensively, you could see those plays developing and what they were trying to do on first down to second down from second down to third down. There were so many just wrinkles to what the offense built off of that. I never in my mind had any doubt about how that game was going to end up. I think they could have scored 60 points easily. If, if Byron Brown makes a few throws here and there, if, if, if a guy makes a block on the edge here and seals it and the running back makes the cut where he needs to. I mean, it, truly, I felt like we were that much of a better team that I it just, I was vibing the entire time. People around me were panicking when they scored and brought it within in the fourth quarter. I was like, listen, they're going to be fine. And then when they decided to go for it on that fourth down and six at the end, call your shot, do it. Win there. And lo and behold, they did. Yeah, I, I'm i with you, Steve. I, I, after kind of the first drive and when U.S. have answered, um, I think they had a fumble in the ensuing kickoff return. I, I never felt like the game was in doubt after that. Like once they kind of answered back, and this is something Nathan and I talked about after the game. Almost every single time FAMU scored, USF immediately. I think there was one time uh, off a field goal that it took two drives to answer. But a lot of times, as soon as FAMU scored, USF would answer with a touchdown. So that makes you feel pretty good. And you never, it never got to that really tight point. I think if most of it was like, uh, if you were really nervous and really anxious, it's because you're a USF fan and the last four years have been terrible. And when you get in oh, games yeah. like that, you lose them. So I think that's where more of the anxiousness comes from. Instead, it's just kind of it was a little bit divorced from the reality of the game. Um, and yeah, and like I said, Saturday night, if 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 Byron Brown hits a couple wide open passes that he just missed, 
or if Kelly Joyner is able to hang on to a pass that just went off his fingertips, or if uh, you know Little John's able to kind of corral the passes off center. Um, you're you're winning twenty eight seven with the ball going into the second quarter. Like it's a total blowout. Like you could be up thirty five seven a minute into the second quarter. Like you had the ball, I think, in good field position when the quarter turned over. So, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't hit them, but it's early in this offense and early in the regime. So you're not too upset with that. But I, I never felt like the game was in doubt. Um, towards the end, I was hoping they'd run the ball. <laughs> I was hoping they'd run the ball a little bit more. Uh, there was one point where Naquan Wright had five carries for, or six carries for like 61 yards. Like, let's give him the ball a few more times, isn't it? And there was a lot of throws. So, um, but it, it, they, they consistently were able to answer back anytime fam got a little momentum. So I, I think it was, that was important. And that's important to see them overcome a little adversity too, right? You don't, it would have been nice. Sure. It would have been great to, for them to blow somebody out by 70. Yeah, that'd be great. But it's also nice to They'll see them that. actually have to, you kind of, <laughs> you might get the inverse this week and we'll talk about that. Um, but it's nice to see them overcome a little adversity. Right. And, and I think through two games, you feel really good about this team in terms of responses. Um, Cause even against Western Kentucky, you got down, you go down the field and you end up throwing an interception, but you go down the field and they're about to tie up the game on the road, you know? So, I think you got to feel pretty good through two games where this team's at. Um, and anything kind of surprise you guys from from the from this game this week, or is it kind of did it kind of go, you know, as you guys thought it would? I think the um, only thing. All right, you actually, go, uh, yeah, Vito, you no. Are we just going to stare at each other until one of us says it? Oh, I lost you for a second. Um, I was surprised how. Um, I won't say bad, but how they were very successful rushing the ball last week, and this week they didn't really get what was it the 108 yards rushing? Um, and yeah, it was two touchdowns, both by Byron Brown. But you know, Michael Dukes 13 carries for 40 yards. Uh, Naquan Wright nine carries for 37. Even Brown was 17 for 23. Um, there wasn't a lot of success there, and it, it could be that they were stacking the box, so there wasn't much to be had there. Um, but I think that was the most shocking thing because I was kind of assuming that they could just they would be able to have success running it or doing some interesting running plays to just kind of keep uh, drives going. And that not being there was a little bit of a surprise to me. But we when we look at the tape later, we'll see if that was uh, they were daring Byram to throw the ball or whatnot. Steve, what about you? What was surprising to you? I I think the only thing that kind of surprised me was I didn't see any passes over the middle. Right. Like I, I can't really recall any dialed up like slants or crossers or anything like that. It was it was very one dimensional on the outside. It was, you know, go routes, corner routes, and then maybe you'd get a post. But, you know, Florida AM did a really good job of stacking the box like that. And they put seven, eight guys in the box almost every play, you know, after the second quarter. Um, or excuse me, after the first quarter concluded. And so I, I just, I was surprised that they didn't try to immediately get the ball into the hands of a guy like Jaden Alexis, Naeem Simmons, or, or anyone from, you know, an outside guy running a, uh, you know, a, a slant because it was, it was there. I mean, for the most part, I, I think they ran it, I think one or once or twice. Um, but, you know, that, that kind of surprised me. The, the coaches didn't feel like they needed to, or didn't have the trust to, to make those throws because I mean, the linebackers weren't off were blitzing the quarterbacks and that was giving the 
you know, the offensive line fits basically all night. So I, I just, it, it was weird. They didn't really have like a blitz beater. Blitz beater was them throwing a screen to the outside. And even then, you know, by the time that the player that, you know, Sean Atkins gets the ball on the outside, since looking at him running right into a linebacker, who's making the run over there. So I don't know. They, there just didn't seem to be a blitz beater in that, in, in the game plan this week, which was strange since we knew that they were going to put everything in the box at that point. And that's my biggest question so far through two games with the offense. How are you going to handle blitz? They're not doing it yet. And real quick, I just want to say, um, I got my niece and nephew, Donovan and Kinley are watching with my brother, apparently. So he told me I wouldn't say hi to them. So I'm saying hi to them. If they're watching, make sure you guys are subscribed to this YouTube channel and like and comment to help this game, the YouTube algorithm. Uh, I guess for everybody in here too. Uh, but yeah, the uh, blitz is an issue through two games and there has not been a real answer for it in terms of the passing game. So that is a bit of a worry. Now, um, I think we're kind of done with last week, a good win. Uh, this this worry about blitz may not be, um, may not matter this week as uh, you've got... Uh, a guy by the name of Nick Saban and uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide coming into town. Uh, I don't think they're going to have to blitz very much if they don't want to. Um, this is probably the worst case scenario, right? Come, <laughs> coming yeah. into this game. Th- this is not, I mean, th- this was always a game that was going to be tough. Um, now you're getting not only uh, a really good, well-coached, super talented team in Alabama coming into Raymond James stadium. Um, You're getting them pissed off after losing to Texas 34 to 24. And they're going to be reading their clippings all week about how everyone thinks how terrible they were versus how good Texas is and how Alabama's defense is shot. And then Nick Saban is over. And um, I think they're going to take out some of their anger this week. Yeah, See, I'm. Uh, the, uh, we we uh, we're you know we're we're trying to game this YouTube, so we do have the Nick Saban is over party as the title, but we did put the question mark in there for uh, for posterity here because that I don't know how over he is. Uh, Stieg, uh, are you excited to see a very angry, very large Alabama team coming into Tampa? I I'm in the minority on this, where like it, it doesn't really matter what happened the game before i mean nick saban's been doing this for what like 20 years at this point like the guy the guy has been so clinical and how he gets his team prepared week in and week out that you know they whether they lost by 10 whether they won by 20 whether they you know whatever they do they prepare the same way week in and week out these players are going to come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder um you know wanting to 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 right the ship in the right direction but I also kind of live in the, I think all of them probably live in the reality of like, they're much more talented than the team that they're going to be facing. Um, so, you know, how much really kind of needs to go in into it. You know, th- this might be a situation where they might let up on the gas a little bit kind of early on to basically, Hey, we don't need to press this much any further. Um, I, it's not a trap game for them by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not saying that, but I also don't, we're going to see Jalen Milrow pass, you know, the second quarter. Um, you know, I think they're probably going to pull him pretty early, depending on how this game is going. I think this is for Nick Saban and for his staff to kind of get the get the ship going in the right direction again. You know, do the things that they need to do right, which is going to be limiting turnovers, creating turnovers, getting havoc plays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everything in the Nick Saban school of coaching, and then 
start getting the depth guys in, starting more, you know, opportunity for for these younger guys who are all still very talented and, uh, you know, go from there. But it's not going to – a pissed-off Nick Saban team is the same as a regular Nick Saban team. It, they're going to they're gonna roll. <laughs> like, yeah, that's probably true. Um, uh, one quick thought on the last game. Uh, we got a couple of questions on it regarding uh, Bryce Archie coming in. Uh, let me throw Nick's comment up here. Yeah, so Archie came in before the game. Um, we heard somebody say that it looked like Byram had his hand kind of taped up when he got off the bus. And so we were on the field in the pregame, and you could see he had a pretty heavy tape job like around his hand and wrist here, right? Um, and and so we kind of watched it. He didn't throw the ball any different, but I'm assuming that got nicked or he wanted to get it taped up again, and that's why Bryce Archie came in. Once Byram came back in, you felt pretty good, and then he ended up making that touchdown throw at the end of the game to mm-hmm. Naeem Simmons. Uh, in terms of Bohannon, he wasn't even there. He wasn't dressed. I didn't see him on the field, I don't think, at all, even in, in street clothes. So I would that, that would lead me to assume he's – I mean, uh, he's obviously not cleared. Because uh, he's not, he wasn't even an option as like an emergency backup. Does that mean he won't be this week? I have no idea. So uh, we'll see kind of where that's something we'll have to monitor. But he wasn't, uh, I don't believe he was even on the sidelines this past week. Um, if he was, I missed him, but he wasn't, I didn't see him out there in the pregame at least. Um, so I'm assuming he's still recovering or still making some adjustments. So I, I would be surprised if he played. Because if uh, he's a guy that he's borderline, maybe you want to save him for a conference season if you feel pretty good with how he'll be able to come in and play. Um, and, you know, that's kind of kicks off uh, talking a little bit more about this game is, is uh, what's the kind of what do you want to see in this game? Is it just health above all? I yes. To me, yeah, it's don't get hurt. Like it, it sounds sad and it, it's it's. I don't think my prospect on this changes coming off of like, as like if USF was like seven and six last year or something like that, I, I think the, the only way you scale Alabama is, uh, you know, make sure that check clears first off that, that check that is going to go directly into the, the truest uh, fund, uh, all the, the accruals of money that we're going to get it from the concessions and the stadium and everything like that. Uh, do that. And then I'm sure no one gets seriously injured. Um, you know, maybe get some young guys some playing time. I mean, the, these guys are all Division One athletes. Like, let's let's call space space. Guys are Division One athletes. They're all they all came from schools where they were the the top dog competitors. These guys are just you know four or five stars, and our guys are you know three stars and four stars. So you know, the the talent disparity is 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 large, but it's not like USF isn't able to compete. I mean, watching Middle Tennessee State play Alabama a couple weeks ago, you know, they had some great throws. They had some great opportunities. They had some great runs. Their offensive line, you know, did a great job of blocking. USF has, they have wide receivers, they have quarterbacks, you know, it's not like it's, they're so incapable. This isn't like a, a peewee team going up against, you know, the New England Patriots in, in 2013 or anything like that. Like they're, they, they can still compete. They can still play. But let's also live in reality in a second and say, just don't hurt. Maybe put up a few mm-hmm. points here and there. Maybe uh, catch them by surprise, do a few trick plays, some stuff you can set up for later. Um, you know, score a touchdown. Yeah. Limit turnovers. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I, I, this is, you know, uh, Vito, I'll ask you in a second, but, you know, outside of health, you kind of mentioned it in terms of these guys are all 
competitors. You don't get to this level kind of not being a competitor. This is also like if you're a USF player, man, what an opportunity. If you can go out and play really well, that's that's great. And then I guess <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a maybe it's a goalish uh maybe it's a goalish recruiting opportunity as those guys are standing on the sidelines later like, hey man, you want to come play a little bit more? Um but uh yeah, I think that you got an opportunity there. You know, Vito, what are you looking for kind of in this game? What would you like to see coming out of it? Well, one thing I'll back up. This isn't like, you know, uh, Arsenal playing a uh, a perennial uh, powerhouse like Enter Miami. Yeah, you know, I just had to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> uh, um, it, it's also for the players. You make a play, you get to say, you know what? I made a, po- uh, a play on Kool-Aid McKinstry. How cool is that? Like, you know, I, you know, we say like, don't get hurt. And our big thing is as like fans and covering the team. It's like, you just don't want to do something where you're out there and then all of a sudden you it, it then affects the rest of your season, especially as you're trying to build something. And it, you know, if, if you're going to have some guys that are going to end up being program changers, you don't want them to get injured in this game and then turn around and some winnable games later on become, uh, become losses. But, you know, as, as competitors, these players want to go out there and they want to play. They want to say, I went and scored a touchdown on the first stringers of Alabama. Yeah. So what if it ended up being 38 to seven? doesn't matter. We, we put up some points. Yeah. We, we, you know, we got to do something successful and, you know, you never know. If this coaching staff, you know, can also show their chops and say, hey, look, we looked at some things that Texas did last week and we were able to take some things that we knew Tennessee did last year. And we said, let's go ahead and give it a shot. Maybe you're able to make some plays. And then that also can good can give you a lot of good, positive momentum. And Golish already said there's no moral victories. And I none of us here kind of think that this is ever going to be one. But, you know, it would be really, really great to see. Hey, maybe they make a couple of good stops. Maybe you see some players come out and make some fun, make some good plays like that. Um, the UF game a couple of years back uh, at Ray J, it got out of hand really quickly. And then second the defense half. made some plays. Yeah, and it second kind half of felt a little positive. Yeah. But like, hey, look, 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 look what this team can do when they're really in it. So those yeah, types of things to, that I would look at. That game popped in my head this week as well, just in terms of you had a couple, you know, four was somewhat cruising and then you had. A couple interceptions, a couple of things go your way. You score a couple of times, and then you you come out of that game feeling a lot better about yourself. Um, but uh, you know this is going to be a great measuring stick, I think, for this team and these players. If you go in there and can play, even if you end up losing by you know uh, you know four touchdowns, but if you go, can go in there and show like some proof of concept for some of these things, or, or you can play pretty well and and be a nuisance, then you have to feel really good about yourself going into conference play because. Um, you know, Western Kentucky is a good team, but yeah, I mean, that, that'd be cool, right? How cool is that? Let's say, you yeah. know, you, you, you get one of those, you know, you get one of those, uh, in this offense, you know, typical flies down the end and I am Simmons and all of a sudden you hit a 50 yard pass play and yeah, maybe it's one of those just it, it's bang, bang it happens. You caught somebody flat footed. doesn't matter. Yeah. You get to hang that picture on your wall for the rest of your life. Stuff like that. that and that's what makes college football fun. Cause this is like it matters to these, to these athletes more than, you know, some others. And, you know, don't pay attention to, to the end of the end score and whatever you do. And this is what I'm saying to the fan base, not necessarily everybody listening now, but do not take anything that you see in this game and uh, think of it as a negative going forward. Yeah. Or, and, and why, why would you do this? Why would you go for it on fourth down? Why would you do that? Like, I just, I, I implore everybody to not do that. Don't do that thing. Yeah, in a positive direction, I think one really interesting thing about this game is the timing of it. Um, you the the you have the Texas thing where oh no, you're going to get a pissed off Saban, but they got to play Ole Miss next week. So yeah, I, and 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 then USF running kind of Tennessee's offense. 
how much did the Saban obviously has, I'm sure they spent a lot of time studying the Tennessee offense in the offseason, how to, what they want to do to stop it. Are they going to show that against USF? I wouldn't think, right? They, they probably feel we can right. play our base defense and, and do enough. Um, but what if, what if you, base defense, yeah. what if you just, what if you pop a couple on them because they're not doing mm-hmm. much exotic, you know, then, and then, then you, you just become a nuisance. And then, then once you get, you know, if you can get the game into the second half, who knows what happens. But I think Alabama will be able to play pretty vanilla and just um I posted in her Discord, I, I looked it up after the game last week. The average weight of the Alabama offensive line per player, so just the starting five, the average weight of those five guys is three hundred and thirty-nine pounds. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> they <What's>, are large. <laughs> that is yep. My goodness, what's the average weight of the uh, USF defensive lineman? It's considerably less. Not 339 pounds, I'll tell you that. I, okay, so here's uh, the thing that, and, and we're just going to talk shop a little bit. I know, I know, we're not trying to be, go super long, but okay, you're legitimately a 260 pound defensive lineman for USF, mm-hmm. and you got to go up against a bunch of, um, I think, what they used to call them elephants back in the day. Yeah, and there are elephants because they're Alabama. Yeah. How do you? How? What do you like? Is it just like I got to try to outspeed it? Like can you imagine? I just like, I feel like that would just get exhausting after a while. Like I'm trying to get through a brick wall. It is not working. Yeah. I think you hope Should you we? can, you have a speed advantage, but the thing with like, I think both Alabama's tackles are probably like future NFL guys. So they're pretty athletic. That's why, that's why they're there. I think the Proctor kid was the number one. I believe he plays tackle for them. He was the number one offensive lineman in the country last year was committed to Iowa. And then decided he wanted to score more than 25 points a game. So he switched over to Alabama. 25 uh, points would be great for Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal, baby. The drive for 25. I love but, it. Um, yeah. So that's the, that's the really tough part is they're big. And then they're probably pretty athletic too. Now, um, Texas was able to hold up pretty well against them, but um, they had some size as well. Cause that was one of the things I looked at last week before the blog boy round table, which, if you're looking for that on this uh, lovely Tuesday morning when you're probably listening to this, that'll be later in the week so we can get everybody on it, but or most everybody on it. Um, so, yeah, Texas was big too. So it, it's not like Alabama's uh, had a huge size difference over them and they overcame it. They're also large. So, um, you know, I, I don't – this is really going to be interesting to see how does Alabama want to play this? Do they just want to get out of Dodge? Win, you know, get up a few scores and just kind of run it out. Do they want to work on things? Because they obviously need to work on some stuff, right? With a quarterback, uh, yeah. defense busted a couple times too. Do they want to work on that, or do they want to try to get out as healthy as possible for Ole Miss? I, I I think the best case scenario for USF is they just play Milro and they say we're just going to run the damn ball and we're not going to show anything exotic. We're not going to try anything. We're just going to run the ball and do what we have to do. Um, because we don't want to show anything to Ole Miss because you think that Nick Saban wants to lose to Lane Kiffin next week. Or like you said, Tennessee, there's a lot of t- a lot of good teams that now have tape on how to beat Alabama. And frankly, beat them soundly. Texas beat them soundly, especially on the offensive side. Um, one thing I would really like to see, um, limit the turnovers. I'm not going to say, you know, you're, you're not going to throw a pick or have a fumble because I'm sure those guys hit hit. But if you can limit the turnovers and say you only have one, um, like that was, was, was great about seeing uh, USF on offense. They didn't have any turnovers and they won the turnover battle five to nothing. Not saying you're going to do that, but I think the best case scenario is they try not to do anything exotic. 
The worst case is they start bringing out multiple quarterbacks and just doing a lot of different things and different looks, and it just it works. That would be the worst thing, and then you you, you start getting frustrated because I, I guess another part of this is like if you lose sixty five to nothing, what does that end up doing for your psyche moving forward? That's hard to come back for regardless if it's Alabama or not. If it feels like you're off, Steve, what do you think? See, I. I, I part of me because I, I talked with uh, a player at the Portal Bay event and kind of asked him. I was like, "Hey, what's the vibe about playing Alabama this year?" And all of them were looking forward to it. All of them wanted to to seize the opportunity. And I mean, these these guys are all you know in the same mindset that Golish has been inflicting upon them since he got you know since these either these players got here or since he got there. And, and so for me, I don't think that there's a huge like psyche of, you know, what happens if we lose to Alabama, you know, terribly, what happens if we throw eight interceptions and, 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 you know, have the, the most turnovers in a game in NCAA history or something like that. I, I don't think that the team is going to look back and be like, man, like season's over. We lost to Alabama. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to think that. Um, at least on the USF side of things, but I, I do think that they're going to be up to the challenge. I mean, I, the thing that I noticed uh, about the Florida a and the Western Kentucky game is how aggressive Todd Orlando and Alex Golish have been dialing up the plays. You know, I, I don't, I, there's a size, you know, advantage and disadvantage for USF here. I mean, for them, they can't just rush four. They have to rush five. They have to rush six. They have to bring a safety blitz. You have to show multiple looks on offense. You you have to, you know, use pre-snap motion. You have to get these guys marking. You have to get them tired, even though they're going to be a very well-conditioned team. I mean, a 330 kick is going to be hot one way or another. You know, you might catch a defensive lineman lacking first who thinks, I'm, I'm big. I'm bigger than the guy that's across from me. I can take a play off. All of a sudden, Mike Lofton seals the gap, and that's a... 25 yard game because Juan Reichen is a former SEC player too. So I, I think that there's a lot of opportunities for USF to build, to continue to build that foundation up and, and show what the process can look like. But I also, at the same time, have been saying the same thing. You can't take anything from this game seriously past Saturday. Like, yeah, if, if Byron Brown throws right into a guy like in his chest, and there's no other round like like yeah like let's talk about that. But also if one of their five star defensive backs just absolutely manhandles Nick Simmons and you know picks it off for a pick six or something like that, out the window. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> I, I I hope that U.S. is able to game plan something to make them look competitive and competent throughout the game. But also, it's Alabama, and they're going to make you look stupid. Yeah, a couple of things from the chat. Uh, somebody asked how big the Alabama D line is. Uh, according to this depth chart, looking back here, uh, they they have an odd front defensive line. It, they go uh, 292, 328, and 302 across the front. Um, and then Robert, why all the negativity? Um, so right now, USF is a 32 point underdog. Since 1997, uh, underdogs of 28 and a half to 35 points have won outright 1.9% of the time. So it's more, I'd say, more reality than negativity. It, it would be not unprecedented. They've won 20 games um, out of 1,055 games of that similar point spread. So it wouldn't be unprecedented. You're telling me, Lloyd Christmas, you're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance, but uh, 
Not a you know what fan. I'm going to say, though? Not many people go into uh, Bryant Denny and win at Alabama and Nick Saban era, but that got broken last week. So you know That's what it. else can get broken? That's right. I'm all about this. Let's go. Let's get that optimism rolling. Who, who, you know, at, at, at some point, it's going to happen, right? And why not at a completely sold-out Raymond James Stadium, which it looks like it is, with the yeah. 300 level? Why not, right? Why not? Yeah, if you're going to pull uh, a big upset, this would be the one to do it. So uh, I don't think it'll be from lack of effort. I think USF is going to put a lot into the game. Um, they're going to have some stuff schemed up. It's just, you know, you are uh, you are at a large talent disadvantage and a large size disadvantage. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I, that's true. We got a... Uh, it's the the sell the sellout beautiful i think they're going to do like a bubba gump shrimp section of the uh of the concessions at the new stadium just for this game so <laughs> there you go alabama and we'll get uh further into this game on the ponderosa later this week hoping to get uh somebody that covers alabama on if not maybe we'll get a crazy alabama fan that might be fun too um but we'll have a more in-depth preview of the game with predictions, and then we'll also talk about uh, this game on the Blog Boy Roundtable later this week. So thank you guys for joining us on Pod by the Bay. Join the Ponderosa if you want uh, some inside scoops. For instance, uh, Nathan Bond gave out the starting quarterback in August 22nd, two weeks before the game kicked off. Um, we, we got some good stats in there in terms of numbers, snap counts, other things to look out for in terms of, you know, how, how guys are playing in certain situations and how often USF gets in these situations. And we'll have another one of those out tomorrow on the Patreon. So, um, join the Patreon for 10 bucks a month. You get an extra podcast, which we will be, uh, shooting later this week and a bunch of extra content. Uh, Vito, anything to say about the Patreon? If you're not a Patreon member, the uh, Discord uh, private chat is by itself good. That's the $5 tier. But if you, yeah. you do the 20, the 10 or the 25, you get that free. Uh, not free. You get that extra podcast. And we do a lot of different things with the extra podcast. Set those film rooms. Sometimes yep, Colin film rooms Sherwin, part of the $10 tier as well. Yeah. Sometimes Colin Sherwin jumps on and gives some really juicy information. Some, sometimes on the uh, the gamble variety, if you will. Um I, I, I think it's definitely a great value, especially during football season. Give it a try. See see what you like. Um, but I think the Discord benefit is uh, is great because a lot of people will, will have a lot of different information going through that Discord and uh, having that uh, nice little chat, definitely a huge benefit. Yeah, uh, Discord. Uh, you can join the Discord for free if you want. But we have a paid section that I think rivals probably any message board out there. Um, it's definitely better than some that are out there and have been around for a while. Uh, we get a lot of activity. There's other boards that are kind of dead now, um, but we get a lot of activity there. It's a good place to talk to other USF fans. And then, like Vito said, ten dollars, you get some more stuff. You get an extra pod, uh, film room stuff, and then the twenty-five dollar tier, uh, you get tier everything first. So, gentlemen, I think that's it. Steeg. I do want to ask you, and you can tell me if you can talk about this or not. Maybe I should private message you one more thing. Let me private message you. Oh. 
while he's doing that, we also have a Substack for the written stuff. Uh, Steeg just put out a Fletch report, which uh, is talking about all of the Olympic sports that happened in the previous week. So subscribe to that as well. That is 100% free. Uh, some people have tried to give us money through that, and we tell them, no, that's the free stuff. So that's all free written in, informa- um, written stuff. And uh, we'll have a lot more fun stuff planned through that as well. But Substack Newsletter, The Bayer Examiner, check it out. And I've never made a typo in it, ever, ever. 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 Never, ever. All right. We won't, uh, we'll talk about what I asked you about uh, behind the paywall. So, guys, thank you for listening. Please join us on Patreon and in the Discord. Thanks for listening. Leave a comment. Share this with people. Help us get into YouTube algorithm. YouTube algorithm. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls beat Bam and Nick Saban party over.